And welcome back to Next Scene Podcast, the podcast taking on the Festival of Lights one scene at a time. Once again, I'm your Sean. Your, your, once again, I'm your host, Sean. Um, unfortunately, once again, my co-host Brian will not be able to join us. But in his stead, in his place, I have two wonderful, magnificent guests um, all the way from Escape from New York Minute and Flash Gordon Minute. It's Eric. Welcome, Eric. How you doing? Good. Although I already have a grievance with you for messing up the opening of your own show. So I'm hearing that right now. All Gordon's right. alive? Yeah. I got to <laughs> tell you, I got, a, I got a lot of problems with you people. Uh, and another, another person that I have problems with, it's Robin from Karate Kid Minute. Welcome, Robin. Kia! <laughs> Kia. <laughs> I guess. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot for coming on. Um, and if if listeners, if you haven't guessed um, tonight, uh, apropos, as this is uh, the sixth night of Hanukkah, December 23rd, uh, 2022, which also happens to be Festivus. And as a Festivus miracle, we are discussing uh, the strike from season nine of Seinfeld. Um, Ooh, yeah, yeah. So before we jump into it, let's um, kind of what's your history? Where what's your history with Seinfeld? What's your history with the episode? Is this, you know, is this something you're watching every year to celebrate Festivus? Um, I'll start with you, Robin. What's you know, kind of what's your Seinfeld story? Oh, my Seinfeld story. Yes, I uh, well, I speak sign language, uh, but that is for your other podcast. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was a dumb joke. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I like Seinfeld when it was, when it was originally on, uh, that's how old I am. And, uh, I watched it here and there. And then I kind of realized that once Seinfeld hit Netflix, like I had friends who were like really into it. You know, I got, I have friends that like quote it left and right. And I, I was never that guy. So actually when it hit Netflix, I went ahead and just watched the whole thing from beginning to end. Uh, and that was just recently. So, uh, I was very excited to uh, be able to talk Seinfeld while it was so fresh in my mind. I, I have watched Festiv- the Festivus episode. Sorry, the strike. Uh, oh, uh, you know, every year or so, I just, whenever I see the memes start popping up, I go, oh yeah, the Festivus episode, I should watch that again. But it, 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 it's so funny that uh, it is one of those things that it's, uh, it's like the very last season. You wouldn't expect an episode so so much of a masterpiece uh, to be ingrained like a, a holiday special you should watch every year. But uh, yeah, that's I, I really love it. Yeah, yeah. I kind of echo a lot of those sen- sentiments. Um, yeah, I'm currently in the midst of a rewatch myself. I, um, you know, I was a watcher when it was originally on. But uh, yeah, I've been rewatching on Netflix. I think we're... We're near the end of season five, so I'm not quite mm. up to, to this point. And also had the same thought watching this episode and that this is, um, yeah, this is season nine of a sitcom. And this is whiz bang stuff. I mean, this is just yeah. jam packed and not just it's not just a good episode to watch. It's got like memorable catch lines, things like, um, you know, like Festivus, you know, that that it's a, I think it's unusual that a show is introducing new concepts and new ideas uh, this late and new kind of new catchphrases this late in its run mm-hmm. that are still memorable. Things like, um, you know, no bagel, no bagel, no bagel and and Festivus and the Two-Face and, and, and there's so much going on and that it's 
Yeah. Um, I think, you know, most of most of the other series we're talking about for these nights are, are episodes that come are kind of earlier in a run. But yeah, so this was the last the ninth and last season of Seinfeld and they were still um, they were still packing it in. Um, so, Eric, what's what's your history with the strike? Uh, so the show as a whole, Seinfeld is my favorite show. It has been since it was aired. So going back more than 30 years. So I, the mm-hmm. only reason I'm not doing a rewatch on Netflix is I've seen every episode probably a million times already. Um, <laughs> I am one of those people that Robin referred to where I'm constantly quoting the show. Um, <laughs> so I saw this episode when it aired. Uh, I've obviously seen it in reruns a bunch of times. Interestingly enough, the, the, the Festivus subplot for me never quite clicked for me. I, I always considered it actually to be a bit of an overrated plot. I know it's a very big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's based on a real thing. But just something about the aluminum pole, the feats of strength, I don't know, something about it just sort of never quite clicked for me. I think it's one of it's um, not the strongest uh, even uh, plot of this episode. But because Seinfeld is my favorite show, I will always take an opportunity to talk about Seinfeld, even <laughs> if it's, you know, an episode that's not among my top of, you know, near the top of my list. And I don't actually have an actual list, uh, but just if I were making a top <laughs> 20, top 30 Seinfeld episodes, I would probably not put this on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Can um, we get to the area in the grievances yet, Sean? Are we? <laughs> <laughs> I did not. We, we never stop. We never stop the airing of the grievances here at, uh, at Next Scene Pod. Um, but this is, yeah, this, this, this has been a hit with me since it first aired. And this actually, so it was December, where is it? December 18th, 1997 uh, was the original air date. And uh, funnily enough, in 1997, uh, Hanukkah, as to the differences between our solar and lunar calendars. Um, so Hanukkah moves around. And then in 1997, Hanukkah actually started on December 23rd. Uh, so Festivus mm-hmm. would have been the first night of Hanukkah in that year. So strangely enough. And um, so, so do you want to say something? You want to jump in there? Oh, no. I mean, oh. I, I also I had a bit of trivia about the airing that this is the last episode that aired uh, before they announced that the series was going to be canceled. Well, not canceled, but they were going to they were going to end the series with this season. Wrap it up. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, OK. That actually pops a memory into my head that when this episode was on the air, I was just out of college and I was in my first job out of college when I was a news radio reporter. And I, hmm. I, I was of the mind of, you know, just read the news, don't interact, don't reveal your personality on the air with the hosts or anything like that. But when they announced that this, that the show was ending, um, and so I read a story about it on the news, oh, it's been announced, Seinfeld, beginning at the end of the season, the, the host came on and said, oh, man, you know, what do you think? And I, I couldn't not talk about Seinfeld on the air. So I was like, yeah, it's a bummer, <laughs> man. It's my favorite show. And it was the first time that I <laughs> broke news character and realized, wait, this is fun. Why I, I should be stoic yeah. man. It's more fun the other way. Yeah, you know, there, there, there's certain, um, you know, just kind of events in history that there's, you know, before and after. And, and when you're in that moment, just the emotion comes up and it's so natural um, to react as a human and not as a newscaster or just, a, yep. um, you know, a, a talking head on on, a, on television or radio. You know, I think of, um, you know, Walter Cronkite announcing the assassination of uh, JFK. You know, I think about the... Um, uh, you know, the, the uh, Challenger shuttle disaster and then, you know, when it was announced that Seinfeld would be ending, um, I think, uh, you know, is, is one of those events where, you know, it can be forgiven to, to break character and show a little emotion. Um, it's, right. it, you're only human. It's only human. <laughs> <laughs> it was rough. It was rough. Yeah. 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 So what we what we've usually been doing is kind of going through and and 
trying to quickly summarize the action of the episode, but there is so much going on. There are so many different storylines. Um, I mean, your typical, you know, your typical sitcom will have like an A, you know, your A plot, your B plot, and then maybe if there's some characters of the ensemble cast left out of the first two, they'll have like a super minor C plot that gets like just a scene or two. Um, but there is, the, <laughs> um, so we've got you know, kind of George. Um, has the plot line with Festivus, as we've you know referenced with his father Frank, and then also right. introduced the concept of the human fund, something that I <laughs> quote and bring up every year in terms of what gifts I'm giving. You know, the human fund and, and his boss uh, that comes up, and then Elaine has her plot with um, the free sub, her punch card that she's got to get. She's one more sub to is her twenty fourth that she then gets a free one, and then. Yep the different fake phone numbers she's been giving out to people, to guys that she doesn't want um, to be able to call her. So the, the fake number thing, you've got the Kramer and H&H bagels that he, apparently Kramer's been on strike for 12 years that we didn't know about. Um, and then on top of that, kind of like like the fifth or sixth plot line is, oh yeah, the titular character, Jerry, has this thing going on with, um, with this woman, Gwen, and her appearance and as that shifts depending on the lighting. Right. Um, so we'll, <laughs> we'll try to get through this, but, but Lister, you'll have to forgive us because th we've got a lot to get through. So the action opens up with uh, Jerry, Elaine, and George at Tim Watley's Hanukkah par party. Um, and to refresh your memory, listener, uh, Watley had converted to Judaism so he could tell Jewish jokes, um, <laughs> which offended Jerry uh, as a comedian. <laughs> Um, yeah, I I forgotten that like when we started this, it's like started the episode. I was like, oh yeah, that's right because it really it's Jerry's. There was a real debate about like, is this cultural appropriation if like you just converted? I mean, does that just give you automatic license to make the jokes or just start saying you know lahayim to people left and right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the famous anti dentite episode. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, it's really funny. This is actually Watley's last uh, Seinfeld appearance. Sorry, I read a lot of trivia, and uh, I think his last his last words on the show are just Mazel Tov. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriate, yeah. And uh, so Tim Watley is played, um, yeah, through on multiple episodes was played by Brian Cranston. Um, yeah, he did whatever became of that this. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, this high, uh, high point of his career. Horrible career that guy had. Yeah, uh, totally. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so what we get in this scene is uh, pretty much our only real Hanukkah <laughs> content of the episode. Now, different scenes, like in uh, Monk's, in the restaurant, in the diner, there's like stars of David, like the, with the holiday decoration, there's Hanukkah decoration in the background. But like yeah. a, avert Hanukkah content, we've, we've got Tim saying happy Hanukkah. Um as he's running around trying to corner uh, women with mistletoe. So, so I don't know if he's totally, you know, uh, you know, totally bought into this new Jewish identity. Seems to be playing like both ends there. Yeah, well, that feeds into the whole thing that he only converted for the jokes, right? I mean, yeah, the mistletoe is, is, is purely Christmas. So uh, right. that, that, that gives Jerry's argument significant fuel. Exactly. Yeah, we, once again, Jerry is, is right on the nose. As he always is. I really was thinking so. about this. I wasn't sure. And I, I you know, again, again, I just went 
searching through the internet, like which characters <laughs> are actually explicitly Jewish. And I think Jerry is the only one that's like out and out Jewish on the show. I mean, they even say on this episode when George was growing up, his father hated all the commercial and religious aspects of Christmas. So he made up his mm-hmm. own holidays. So I had just assumed that Frank and Estelle were, were Jewish and George was as well, but I, I guess, I guess not. No. Yeah, no, they are not. Yeah. I think, uh, Jerry, you know, his parents, his family, you know, the, the other Seinfelds that we meet, yeah. uh, presumably are, are Jewish. We've got Tim Watley who has converted, um, yeah, I don't even know if if any of the various women that that Jerry has dated through the the years and the episodes. Um, well, there's a, there's you know, at least one because there's an episode where he uh, is making out with a woman during Schindler's List, and uh, her her <laughs> oh, yeah. her parents being devout Jews are very unhappy about that. Oh yes, okay, okay. Well, and then uh, I don't remember the name, but there's their friend where they attend the Briss. And I, so oh, I, yes, ass- of course, I mean, right. They don't have to be Jewish, but that's a, I will assume I'll go out on the ledge <laughs> bris if you're not and Jewish, say, <laughs> um, if you're having right. a bris, you're probably Jewish, um, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Elaine refers to, I'm sorry to skip ahead, but her time in the bagel shop as a schwitz yeah. as well. So <laughs> I don't know if that's because it was a bagel shop or because that is a term that comes naturally to her, you know, vernacular. I, I wasn't sure. Yeah, here in New York, people use Schwitz even if they're not Jewish. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of Jewishness around um, in Manhattan. Yeah. So that's it wouldn't be unusual um, for a non-Jewish person to use, a, you know, a phrase or Yiddish like that. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so speaking of Elaine, we kind of get her plot line kicked off when she is approached by um, a character who I think is only referred to as Denim Vest. Um <laughs> identified by his attire, played by uh, a kid in the hall, Kevin McDonald. But yeah, so he approaches Elaine and she is not, um, I guess, not impressed, not attracted. Um, so he, but, but I thought this was strange. I, I'm double checking my notes. Like he, she actually offers, she doesn't wait for him to ask for her number. She right. says, Hey, why don't I give you my number? And then gives him a fake number. You know, she's told us she intends you know, she kind of expects, oh, a guy at a party is going to ask for my number. And I, so I'm going to give him a fake one. Um, but she like she actually offers it. She's like, let me. Well, she doesn't say let me give you a fake number, but she says, let right. me give you my number and then gives him a fake number. I was like, wonder, like, why do sitcom characters have such a hard time saying no? Uh, <laughs> but then again, maybe like she's just so used to this. It's just like, yeah, yeah, dude, let's get to the part where I give you the number where and, and I could just blow you off from here on out, you know, and you're going to think you have a chance. But now I don't have to talk yeah. to you anymore because there's a promise of a, of more talking later when there's really not going to be any. <laughs> OK, yeah. yeah. And, and I assume being a woman, Elaine knows more about this than than I do. Yeah, that makes my, sense. My, she figures. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, that makes sense. She understands his goal is to get her phone number. And then once he has that, he's going to be like, well, I don't want to jinx it and say something stupid. So I'm going to avoid her the rest of the night. He should have avoided the denim vest as well. With snaps. (laughs) With snaps. (laughs) Um, Yeah, my take on that scene was also, I I know that they only have 22 minutes in the episode. But, I mean, Kevin McDonald's talking to her for like less than 10 seconds before he asks her out. It's like mm-hmm. it's like really fast. 
He just walks over, says like one thing to her, and then asks her out. Yeah. I mean, that's what Jerry does too. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. His great pickup line. Yeah. I don't know how that oh. works. <laughs> I, I love like... that pickup line so much. <laughs> I had to do, and I was thinking now I am, I'm um, happily married isn't strong enough for it. I am ecstatically married. So I am Aww. very thankful that I don't need to use pickup lines. But when I was single, I was, I was no good at it. Um, and I'm still surprised that someone agreed to marry me. But, um, <laughs> but I'm thinking if, you know, knock on wood, God forbid, if something happened and somehow I found myself single, this would be a handy line. Cause I, you know, what do you say to, to a woman at a party other than, you know, if, unless you're wearing, unless you can talk about the snaps on your denim vest, I wouldn't know what else to discuss, but just saying, you know, I can run really, really fast. Right. Um, because that's not something that they can really verify because we're in an apartment. It's crowded. There's lots of people, um, you know, unless she's like going to stay step outside, you know, <laughs> she really can't check that. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I really do like that line. You use that in, a, uh, in an online dating profile, too, because, yeah, how are they, they going to prove it? Actually, how are you going to prove it? How are you going to check that? <laughs> Um, so, so moving on from Tim Watley's party, our next scene is at, uh, the, the restaurant at Monk's, um, George is, <laughs> George is going through his mail at the diner as, as one does. And we kind of kick off, um, I, I both- love, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep interrupting you yeah. for every single beat of this oh, episode, but, uh, please do. I, I, I love the idea. He's like, he's like, yeah, this is what I have to offer here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> what do you have to discuss? I got my mail here, you know. <laughs> well, yeah. it's only there. Just go through called, and talk about it. And he's only there because he called out sick from work because he ate all the cocktail franks at Wally's party. Also, yeah. yeah. So yeah, call back to the the previous scene thirty seconds ago. Yeah, yeah. he ate all the cocktail franks. Um, yeah, I really like that. And yeah, it's true. He's you know he's he's bringing something to the table literally. Um, <laughs> and so he gets um, well one thing. So he gets a card from the, the aforementioned Tim Watley saying a donation has been made in George's name to the children's fund. Um, and George is upset. George, you know, has got him Yankee tickets. I assume George didn't pay um, through his, right. his previous employment with the Yankees. He still has a connection. So he, he gives Tim Watley Yankee tickets and in return, Watley gives, gives his gift to somebody else. <laughs> yeah, and and the classic George case here, his his anger is that it should be an eye for an eye is his response, which of course is not something where you give a gift for a gift. Eye for eye is directed to justice, so yeah. he he has his metaphor completely wrong, which of course just adds to the humor of his anger. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's that's not what that phrase means at all. <laughs> um, and then the other thing George has gotten in the mail is a card from his father, from Frank, um, for Festivus. Um, oh. Dear son, happy Festivus. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so we introduce a, a new holiday, which actually was not um, not invented by Seinfeld or, or the writers of the series. Um, yeah. How much how much to either of you? Do you know a lot about Festivus or just what you've read on the Internet? That's what I read on the internet. Yeah. I, just so, that um, I know it was someone involved with the show. It was actually based on something from their childhood. Yeah, but we probably all read the same thing. So um, yeah. uh, so uh, Dan O'Keefe is, was a writer for the show, and the holiday was created by his father, uh, Dan O'Keefe, or, you know, Daniel. And actually, you know, it included, you know, the, some of the things uh, mentioned in, 
in the episode, like the airing of the grievances. So that's an actual Festivus tradition, um, not just. Uh, so this is a real holiday. This is not just a creation of uh, of the Seinfeld program, which is uh, nice yeah. to know. And it's it's a, a a big a big deal in my household. We we celebrate every year. Well, the sad thing that I read was that. Like Dan O'Keefe was just as affected by this holiday by his father as George is in the show. And that uh, it actually is pretty troubling for him to actually go through and describe it and, and write it. You relive know. those memories. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's a real special moment in hell that he created for himself because now 30 years later, <laughs> everybody's still talking about Festivus. I mean, he, he made yeah. it so much worse for himself. Right. <laughs> Yeah, this yeah, this holiday probably this tradition probably would have died out um, if he had not mentioned it. But now it's, you know, it's spread through the um, yeah. I forget what word I was coming up with. I got to cut this out. <laughs> Zeitgeist. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's really you know made its way into yeah the the fabric of our culture. Right. Um, yeah. Sort of a you know he turned uh, Frank Costanza into a sort of messiah, um, spreading oh, the word of Festivus. Yeah. He's so great in this episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and then with Elaine, we also get the introduction to her storyline. So she's not eating because she's going to Atomic Sublater, where she's got a card that it, when she gets 24 stamps, she becomes a submarine captain, which means she gets a free sub, which is um, like this is a thing that actual restaurants have done. But isn't it usually like 10 or 12 I know, right? Items, you know, like 10 visits, you get a free one. 24 is an awfully high number. <laughs> yes, I had, I used to have the Subway Club card uh, back when Subway would give you the little stamps. You'd get one stamp if you bought a six-incher and two stamps if you bought a foot long. And if memory serves, once you had 12 stamps, you got a free six-incher. And I filled, I, I filled up several cards, so I had a lot of free Subway subs back in high school and college. You earned those subs. You came by them honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, there was a good uh, pizza place not near me that has since closed years ago. But they had a they had a similar thing. You could get ten large pizzas, you get one free, and I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, I may still have a card floating around somewhere. I I think it was ten, which yeah, ten or twelve are reasonable numbers. Twenty four is that's a sitcom number. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, or maybe you know maybe that's a Manhattan number. Maybe Manhattan they. They, they kick it up a notch. Um, well, you know, she, Elaine might be watching her weight. Maybe it's like 24, six inches, you know, but it could be 12 foot longs. There you go. Yeah. I don't know. We, 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 yeah, we don't know. We don't, we don't get into that level of detail, but uh, <laughs> could, could be, could be. Um, so our next scene is back at Jerry's apartment where uh, a couple things. So, uh, one is Elaine realizes she's written her fake phone number on her subway card or not <laughs> on her uh, sub uh, on her free or sorry, <laughs> on her uh, atomic sub card. She's written yeah. the, uh, the fake number on the atomic sub card, which she gave to Denim Fast. Uh, you know, so she's got to get that back and she's got to figure out how to reach this guy after giving him a fake number. And the other thing we discover is that um, apparently Kramer has a job. Well, we, we learned a bunch of things. Kramer has a job. Kramer has been on strike for 12 years and the strike is over that they've uh, they've given into given into his demands um, that they get paid five thirty five an hour, which was the, the minimum wage at the time. Yeah, they gave in by 
force, I guess, of <laughs> the government. Yeah, they gave it yeah. by following labor laws. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Well, at least I guess that means that their original demands were realistic. It just took 12 years, but eventually they got there. Oof. Yeah, and I love this is a continuing thing. This is almost from episode one, this storyline with Kramer in terms of his occupation or career or lack thereof and what does he do for money and you know how is he living in manhattan when he never seems to actually work um you know at one point actually had an intern but <laughs> i don't know what he did yeah and this is just yeah out of nowhere that's like oh yeah by the way he's been on strike for 12 years in uh from from the bagel business would have been a nice uh, revelation at the in the last episode that Kramer's just independently wealthy and never said anything to anybody. <laughs> yeah, or just or have him go back to work. Maybe that would have been a nice, uh, a better send off for him at the final episode. Is just be yeah. like, well, you know, it, it's been fun. I just can't stand around here talking with you guys all day. I've got to get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so. And he sees, I don't know, do we see the business card? He, he pulls out a business card and hands it to Elaine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it says uh, Cosmo Kramer on it. Oh, that's what, yeah. So it says, yeah, Cosmo Kramer, bagel technician. Yeah. <laughs> At H&H uh, &H Bagels, yeah. which uh, H &H. I, I showed uh, my girlfriend this. Uh, for, she'd never seen it before uh, this morning. And she says, oh, I've been to H&H &H Bagels. Apparently, they're, they're a real thing. <laughs> yeah, so it turns out, um, H now, I don't know if, I, if they existed previously or if this is, um, you know, are they named after the show? <laughs> but they probably existed. Um, this is probably a real thing. They've got, yeah, they've got a couple locations, Upper East Side, Upper West Side. They're in the food court at um, both Kennedy and LaGuardia airports. Mm -hmm. um, coming soon to Penn Station. So you've got that to look forward to. But yeah. Mm. Um, and they do, according to their website, they ship bagels. You can order um, can order frozen bagels to, to ship to you wherever you are in the world. Um, that is a that. great Festivus gift to send to a Seinfeld <laughs> fan, I think. They got a package for H&H. &H. Yeah, they do. They have, you can get, they have like a package. It's, uh, you know, get a, a, a you know, a two dozen bagels with cream cheese and oh. uh, smoked salmon. You can get the whole, oh. the whole kit, which is, I was uh, yeah. dying for a bagel after all these bagel scenes. <laughs> dying so for there, it. There's, there's that number oh. two dozen. That's a lot of bagels to order at once. Two dozen bagels. If you're not <laughs> having a party, that is a lot of bagels. That is a lot of bagels. I guess, mm. some, you know, if you're having them shipped, um, you want to kind of make it worth worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. I keep 12, uh, 12 frozen and then thought the other one's out. <laughs> yeah. Keep them on ice. Uh, but yeah, so, so check that out at there at hhbagels.com. Um, you know, I was going to make like a discount code joke, but yeah. Yeah. Sponsor of this episode. <laughs> if you go to hhbagels.com and, uh, you know, put in, uh, put in the, um, the coupon code Festivus for, um, I don't know, let's say 10% off. Put <laughs> in coupon code, no <laughs> Elaine. As, as guests of the show, <laughs> do Robin and I get like a free dozen bagels or something also? Yes. You, yeah, you'll find uh, one dozen bagels, uh, the the type of your choice in uh, in your gift basket in the green room, green room after the show. Oh, uh, yes. So you'll get Thank that you. after recording. Thank you so much. Yeah. 
Um, so we've got, yeah, there's plain, there's poppy, sesame, whole wheat, uh, cinnamon, raisin. Uh, they oh, do everything these never days. Thought see the day. <laughs> never thought I'd see the day. Never thought I'd see the day. Yeah. Um, so that actually brings us back to our so our next scene, getting back to the, the program. Our next scene is at H&H Bagels, where we see Kramer, um, yeah, getting back to work. Um, you know, proud to announce that the, the strike is over. Um, his manager, oh, I don't know if this is the, the same manager. So the, the manager, not necessarily his manager, but the manager right. there is uh, is saying, like, all the other guys uh, got jobs like 10 years ago, which, <laughs> <laughs> which makes sense. Um but they happen to need somebody for the holidays. So, uh, yeah, Kramer's there. He straps on uh, straps on an apron and, and, and gets to work. And that's where he sees, you know, he sees those raisin bagels. And he never mm. thought he'd see the day. Um, yeah, uh, I looked that up. And uh, raisin, cinnamon raisin bagels were invented in the 50s. And lenders actually first started popularizing them by uh, in New York. So uh, I... That's a lot longer than 12 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not me myself. I'm not a big fan of, of the raisin bagel. What do you guys think? Do you like fruit uh, in your bagels? Uh, I like the cinnamon raisin bagel. I like to change your pace occasionally. It's not my favorite one, but every once in a while. Sure. Oh, it's my favorite. Absolutely. Put a little really? strawberry okay. cream cheese on there. Wow. Cool. All right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a traditional kind of guy. I'll go the plain, I'll do an onion or an everything with um yeah, cream cheese and lox or a, a smoked white fish, something like that. Uh, yeah, I don't do the, the raisin or the blueberry bagels or anything of that sort. But um you I, know I'm a child at heart, so you know. Yes. There you go. All right. Just yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I mean, I'll, eat, I'll eat almost any bagel other than plain. I can't plain is just I gotta have something. Poppy seed, salt bagels, gotta be something on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, but a nice, warm, fresh bagel right out of the oven. So good. Hard hard to beat that. If we're talking about like a breakfast sandwich, you got to stick with like a plain or a poppy or everything, you know. Well, yeah. If, yeah. If you're doing like a, you know, a pork roll or tail of ham, you know, that kind of stuff, you don't want to distract from the meats. Right. Um, but I think there's, there's this, it's a large world. There's room for all sorts of bagels. No sweets with my meats. That's a, no that's a H and H H and H promise. Okay. <laughs> um yeah so uh so our next scene is at the uh the, the off-track betting uh shop that elaine has been giving out as the you know her fake phone number so she, you know she's stopping by to check to see if uh, you know check her messages and see if denim vest has called and yeah the the uh the, the the folks the the, the um yeah the, the two guys working behind the counter are very familiar very interested to hear that name I imagine they've gotten many calls over the years um, from men looking for Elaine Bennis um, yeah that's and you know who's their that? phone number their phone number is six six three five two four six three <laughs> <laughs> the extra eight. these two guys are so <laughs> great that um so the the guy that does most of the talking. It turns out is actually a, quite a famous person and not really for acting. He's, he's like yeah. a screenwriter, Tracy Letts. Um, but his line delivery here, this is one of those line deliveries that has stuck with me for decades that, you know, who's a man? I'm a man. You know, I'm who else a, is a man? a man? Charlie, he's a man. And it's just I'm the way man. that he says that is just, it's, I, it's a perfect line delivery. It kills me every single time I watch this episode. I absolutely love it. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, this is yeah, this is so good, and it's yeah for for a small part, but it it yeah, yeah. it definitely keeps the comedy rolling. Yeah, um, part yeah. of the sitcom. And What's I have going to on with say, Charlie, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's oh his smile, that creepy <laughs> smile. And I mean, really, these both of these guys are just so. He's just sitting there with that horrible beard and that creepy smile. And he's just sitting yeah. there smiling, and it's just so great. I mean, he barely even says anything, and he's I, he's a memorable character. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very memorable. Um, and so they naturally ask for Elaine's number so they can call her when uh, you know when Denim Vest calls and. She just happens to have Kramer's business card <laughs> with the number for H and H. So again, she is still not giving out her real number. We still don't know what her number is, but she hands over uh, the H and H card, or she gives them H and H's number, and also puts a saw buck down on Captain Nemo in the third at Belmont, <laughs> <laughs> as one does. Mm-hmm. Um, and our next scene is back at the restaurant. Jerry is meeting up with Gwen. I guess this is the first time seeing her since Watley's party. And um, this is where we get uh, introduced to the, the concept that, um, you know, kind of someone, how someone looks is going to um, depend on the lighting, the environment, the scenery. Yeah, it's uh, it's I mean, some people look differently in a different kind of light, you know? Uh, I don't know if it, 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 it's that drastic, but uh, just like, oh, wait, what's going on here? Uh, but uh, I, I do love that they they really, uh, they put, they did lighting, they did the makeup, they did the prosthetic. I, I read they put like a prosthetic like under her lip or something uh, to really accentuate those like stuck out teeth. Yeah, because she looks so different. Um, yeah. That it's, it's yeah, the, the good look versus the bad look on the, the two faces. Yeah. yeah. I, and even, uh, even, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, like, even so, actually, so Jerry runs into, actually runs into Watley and says, oh, you know, I am actually meeting someone that I met your party. And he even, even he is taken aback. I don't know if he recognizes this as, you know, someone he had in his home just a few nights ago. Right. And I, I read that a little bit of trivia that they were planning on having a different actress play Gwen in different parts like that. But they figured the audience would be way too confused. Uh, yeah, by... that would not have worked. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's much. I think it's better having yeah just the same actress and then playing with, uh, you know, lighting and makeup and, and prosthetics to. It's funnier, the difference. It's, yeah. it's funnier that way too. I, I think the joke wouldn't have worked if it was two different acts. The whole humor of it is that here's this very good-looking woman that they're making to look ugly in certain lights. I mean, that's the whole point. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and so we, we we don't get to enjoy the rest of uh, of of that meal. We cut away. We're back to uh, Jerry's apartment. Oh, and I should say, like, I don't know. I don't. Did I say back at the? They're not back at the original restaurant. They're not back at Monk's. Um, this is a the kind of a fancy restaurant where Jerry right. is meeting Gwen for for the date, and then he runs into Tim Wally. It's a different restaurant, so we actually get yeah. They actually do go to more than just that one restaurant throughout the <laughs> run of the show. Um, but so presumably this is I guess I'm guessing the next day, and we're back at Jerry's apartment, and Jerry and George are discussing. Um, the idea that someone could be, you know, attractive one day and not attractive the next. And and, and George, being the man child that he is, thinks of, of Two-Face, like the Batman villain. 
I know, and and the amount of like like awe and reverence that Jerry like like the Batman villain, like, yeah. <laughs> because he's, he's also is, a man child as well. So yeah, well, and then George kind of like is annoyed, like if if that helps you, as if he came like this is no, this is an entirely different two face concept that has nothing to do with this childish comic book character. Um, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then George is also, um, introducing his, um, sort of his reaction to, um, you know, the, the previous gift to a foundation that he received from Watley, um, for the Christmas present that he's going to be, uh, handing out to the people at his office. It's a donation, a, a donation has been made in your name to the human fund, um, and that's a name which, at least in 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 my mind, will live forever. Uh, <laughs> the the human fund. That's just a, a great a great concept because it's so, you know, it sounds so good. Who's going to come out against humanity? I mean, who can be against <laughs> that? But it's so generic. Well, yeah, it's um, money for people. So it's it's money. You for can't it. be against money for people. <laughs> um, and it's yeah, it's it's just genius in its simplicity. It, um, it brings up a, a question. It, it comes up, you know, at the beginning party or, or sorry, when George is open in the mail as well. Like, I, I've never gotten a donation in my name given to an organization as a gift before. And I mean, like nowadays, it's like you're it's your birthday and you're like, oh, oh, I, I, on Facebook. You're like, oh, please, instead of sending me anything, send something to this charity or whatever. I'm trying to raise this much money. That's about as close as I've ever gotten to that kind of thing but i've never actually gotten a gift like yeah yeah i didn't get you a gift i donated this thing that you know perhaps uh, a charity that you like uh works as well but yeah or if it's like somebody that's recently passed away and like gifts please donate to this charity that they supported that's probably the only other way i've never actually gotten it as a gift though yeah same here like yeah you know people have requested or yeah if if, if someone has passed in lieu of flowers make a donation yeah. to uh, oftentimes it's a foundation that's supporting research of whatever killed the person. Right. That's a common one. But to like preemptively give a gift, you know, make a donation for someone who hasn't asked for it. Yeah, I don't think that's that's ever happened to me. And I don't know how often, um, you know, that happens in real life. But I think like I said earlier, I am, I am tempted every year for those <laughs> friends and family members where it's just hard to, you know, figure out what um, – you know, what is it they might want that they haven't gotten for themselves or, or you know, what's something that they, you know, they wouldn't buy for themselves that they kind of need someone else to, to do it for them. And, um, yeah, just that the fallback is always, well, I could, I could just make a donation to the human fund. <laughs> yeah. And then we get uh, what will be our, our last scene of this first act is at H&H Bagels where uh, – Kramer, uh, you know, so Frank walks in. He's gotten a message from Kramer. Kramer wants to learn more. He you know, just says, tell me everything, uh, you know, about this Festivus. And we learned the tale. Uh, oh. Are we going to just read was... everything that Frank says? In this episode? As I rain pretty blows much. upon him is pretty much one of my favorite things. Yeah. I mean, that is might be my favorite Frank stands line in any episode ever of the entire show. As I rain blows uh, upon him. The rain blows upon him. As so I good. rained blows upon him, I realized there has to be another way. Um, <laughs> I somebody please 
like do a Frank Costanza claymation Christmas special based all around this story of the doll. I, I, I please, there's gotta be oh. a, a, a bored Seinfeld fan out there with a lot of clay. <laughs> <laughs> please put it together. Oh, please. Oh, I am there. I am. I am signing up for that Kickstarter. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, with, with the slogan, a Festivus for the rest of us. Yes. I mean, it, it, it rhymes. It's, it's a natural. It's great. <laughs> Um, and Kramer remarks that must have been some kind of doll. She oh, was. Yeah. She was. <laughs> she like calling her she. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, all right. So well, let's let's step out. Let's wrap up Act One. We'll we'll step out of the episode for a little bit. Um, and so I, I will ask you to my guess. Um, so does this qualify as a true Hanukkah special? Do you think? Uh, in the mm-hmm. context of, I kind of say, like, is this it's a Hanukkah special or a Christmas special with a Jewish friend? A lot of, um, a lot of the television episodes that kind of that came up that were listed, you know, as supposedly Hanukkah episodes, were really they were the Christmas episode. And there's one, you know, that the main character has like one Jewish friend, so they kind of get some Hanukkah mentions in. Um, is kind of the, the origin of that question. So, where, you know, where does this fall? Is this is this a true Hanukkah special to you? I say no. I think <laughs> other than other than Watley's party being a Hanukkah party, the focus is really Festivus as an alternative to Christmas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every every year there may be a couple of actual Christmas movies that I would watch. But I like to base base around uh, my movies just to be in the season, uh, like watch like alternative Christmas movies, like movies that have a little bit of Christmas and it. it takes place during the Christmas, like basically do a Shane Black uh, marathon. Uh, oh, there and, you go. Yeah. And so it's got the holidays happening in the background, but mainly the the movie is about something else, like you know, people being murdered left and right or whatever. Uh, this is an alternative Hanukkah uh, special, I think. I I think it's it's it shows Hanukkah as a thing, and you know, there's Hanukkah parties. You know, it's, it's not all just Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. But the guy that's hosting the Hanukkah party is kind of a fakey we're, we're known as, and <laughs> and and Frank's come up with a new idea. You know, and sometimes that's you know, the holidays are all about family. I guess. I don't know. What's important, and uh, maybe maybe Festivus is you know what we should all aspire to. <laughs> yeah, I kind of I give this um, I'll, I give this kind of half marks in that, like you said, it's it's there's not a lot of Hanukkah content. We don't get like a, um, you know this certainly isn't the Rugrats holiday special. We don't get a retelling of the the Hanukkah story and the origin for that holiday. But at the same time, it's not it's not a Christmas episode. We're not um, uh, you know, really buried under, uh, you know, we don't get in, you know, hear about the, you know, the, the Christmas story and the origin of that holiday. And, um, mm-hmm. a, a, you know, a lot of Christmas traditions other than the exchanging of gifts. So there's, there's, there's not a lot of Christmas stuff, but there also is not a lot of Hanukkah stuff. It is more of a, a Festivus episode. Um, yeah. Like you said. Yeah. Um, so, and we can, to dive into that a little bit more, but let's let's get back to the action. Um, so we kick off Act Two, um, where we're at George's office, and George is spreading holiday cheer, handing out his gifts to his his coworkers. He's got his little cards. Um, he gives it to to one one coworker, Sandy, who 
um, you know, is, is I think give, <laughs> gives George's gift the consideration it's due. Um, <laughs> Understandable she's, she's, reaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, she's unimpressed to, to say the least. Yes. Thank you. You know, thanks him for this piece of paper and, and, and walks off. Um, yeah. And then he uh, hands this to, you know, hands a car to his crew, his, his boss Kruger. Um, and, you know, he reads it and he says, what is this? George says the human fund. And Kruger mm-hmm. says, whatever, <laughs> which is again, the appropriate reaction. I got to um, tell you, a real yeah. Festivus miracle happened this morning when I rewatched this movie because, sorry, this episode, <laughs> uh, because I watched this episode and then afterwards, uh, 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 Kim and I had watched Gremlins the night before. So she's like, hey, I'd like to check out Gremlins too. I'd never seen it. So <laughs> I popped on Gremlins too. And they had exterior shot of the Clamp Tower in Gremlins too. And I was like, that looks really familiar. And it wasn't until later when I was doing some research that... The exterior of Kruger's, the, the, the business there, uh, is the same exact exterior shot they use for Gremlins to the Clamp Tower. I, I was like, how did I somehow <laughs> get a double shot of this, of this building in one morning? Uh, it was a Festivus miracle. <laughs> wow, that is an amazing connection. Oh, what? yeah, I didn't, I didn't put that together, but I'm... Um... Yeah, I paused it at nine minutes, 50 seconds into the episode, which is the time without commercials. And yeah, it's <laughs> it's Clamp Tower. It that is, is yeah. that is frightening. I could see Kruger Enterprises being in Clamp Tower. I'm like, that makes <laughs> sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> that makes perfect sense. Mm. But uh, uh, the other thing I like about this scene is George winging the uh, gift certificate at somebody. That that's off screen. You were just ow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and like, yeah. George isn't even really trying to sell this. He's not describing like this. Oh, here is this this precious artifact that symbolizes you know mm-hmm. this monumental donation towards this great thing. It's like no, here's some cards I printed out, and he's just yeah dealing them out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good old George. Um, our next scene is um, we're, we're back at H&H where Frank and Kramer are still discussing. I can only assume that this is like the same day, the, the same shift. So they're just still discussing, um, uh, you know, H&H. And, uh, you know, Frank is, is continuing his instruction on, uh, you know, on the, the traditions that you, you gather around the family. You tell them all the ways they have disappointed you over the past <laughs> year. Um, which is, you know, Amazing. some, yeah, <laughs> which is something that a lot of holiday gatherings descend into anyway. So why not make it part of part of the pageantry, just work it into the tradition. Um, and then of course there's no tree. Um, there's just a pole. So, uh, you know, there's, there's no decoration or anything. Oh, and, the, uh, the, the far away look that Jerry Stiller gets in his eyes where he's like, I find tinsel distracting. Like, <laughs> He's been through so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. And then, of course, so now, you know, Kramer, because, uh, you know, and anyone who uh, who's religious, you always know that the converts always go overboard. The, the converts <laughs> are always more ardent than the people that have grown up with it. So instantly Kramer, um, you know, now needs to have the 23rd off. To celebrate yeah. Festivus, which uh, you know, <laughs> kind of defeats the whole purpose if he's been hired to work during the holidays. 
<laughs> they really pulled a Watley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so then Kramer, so turn around, he's going back on strike. He's striking for his right to celebrate new holidays. Um, but Kramer, uh, sorry, Elaine cannot follow him because she's still waiting for the call from uh, from, from Denim Fest. Um, our, our next scene is, is a quickie, is another quickie in... Uh, in a taxi, in a cab, uh, Jerry is picking up Gwen, and we get a, a demonstration of uh, just how powerful this two-face uh, phenomenon <laughs> is. That you know, even within within the confines of the cab, um, between one moment and the next, she can she can turn. Um, they they work it into the dialogue, so they're you know talking about what what they you know where should they go to eat? Do you want Chinese or Italian? Gwen says, "I can go either way." Jerry says, "You're t- you're telling me." <laughs> um, our next scene is uh, now we're back at the at Monks, the original restaurant, um, where Kramer and Frank continue to talk about uh, Festivus. George and Jerry are are talking, uh, you know, continue to talk about Two Face. Determined, Jerry determines the only place that she is uh, consistently good looking is the one particular booth in in monks in the coffee shop um so he's just that's where he's got to bring her there all the time how much did jerry and gwen (laughs) go through for him to discover that like he they're usually sitting up front in that in that booth right there but he Mm -hmm. how did he figure out to get her in the back booth (laughs) just how many dates have they been on i just don't know did he cycle through it really could have just been one date if that's the only time he's with her that he's been with her, that she has looked good the entire time. He may be basing right. it on literally just one previous encounter there. Wow. Yeah, it's a question of did they get lucky or um, or have they been moving around? You know, did he have her move around? You know, try, <laughs> okay, this booth, this table. No, okay, this booth. All right, you sit on this side. No, you sit on the other side. Like, was there some experimentation going on here? Or, you know, what, was it just happenstance that they happened to get? They happen to get seated at the right spot, um, you know, at just the right time. We can only we can only speculate. Right. Uh, now, now, when Frank yeah. and Kramer enter, I got to say how Frank drags that pole into monks like the Grim Reaper with his scythe <laughs> looking at just staring at George. I'm just like, oh, man, he is frightening. I cannot imagine being raised by this man. <laughs> <laughs> and Jason Alexander plays it so well too. He just he's like, "What's that? Is, is that the pole?" I mean, it's just such a great line reading there too when he recognizes what's going on. He hasn't seen this in years, yeah. and he, he he figured he was done with it, and now all of a sudden, just you know, this horror of this shock of seeing this pole again. Yeah, this- Kramer really does it in to like all three of his friends in this episode, starting with <laughs> here, getting getting uh, Frank all worked up about Fre- Festivus again. <laughs> yeah. Getting uh, getting Jerry in in trouble with Gwen because he doesn't recognize yep. her and thinks and thinks Jerry has another girlfriend, and then he brings the the guys from the track <laughs> to Frank's house for the festivist meal. What a great um, friend! Yeah, but uh, yeah, George really sells this of the just the resignation resignation of you know this thing is happening, but of course you know this is my father, this is my life. Of course he's dragging this pole around. Why would I expect <laughs> yeah. anything different? <laughs> oh. I mean, I I'm I'm yeah. assuming in reality he just picked the pole up. He just bought the pole, and wait, no, he had it in storage, didn't he? 
So he took the pole out of storage and went with Kramer to hunt his son down in a public place to, to put it, and brought the recording with him, too. Right. Well, yeah, because oh they God. don't because, Frank, they don't even live in Manhattan. Because oh, you could say, well, yeah. So you think like, well, maybe he has, you know, he has a storage unit and he had that's where he was going to get the pole. But yeah, that would be in Queens. That would so yeah. He he dragged this pole on the subway <laughs> into Manhattan to to show his son. Um, yeah, with the, with the recording. Um, yeah, and that's where we get introduced. Yeah, so Frank is so the Castandas were one of these families where they record the holiday gatherings with the children so they can embarrass them later. Um, and this is where we get introduced to the concept of uh, the feats of strength. As, as part of the Festivus tradition. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh, and the fact that only weak people wear glasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't need glasses. You're you just weak. You're just weak. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this brings back so many memories. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is that line then, hit uh, a nerve. I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> yeah. I just, there's, there's, yeah. I'm going to have to bring this up with my therapist tomorrow. Uh, this is all, it, all bringing back memories. Um, and then uh, to, to close out this scene, uh, Gwen walks in and it's um, it's the worst of the two faces here. Um, yeah. And, and of course, Kramer, you know, is, is actually is, is good for Kramer in that he doesn't actually say anything <laughs> yeah, to but her, still, but he has an obvious reaction yeah. of, yeah, this this person's not uh, <laughs> not attractive. <laughs> So then, uh, what's our next scene? Our next scene is then we're back at H&H once again, um, where Elaine continues uh, to wait for, for the call. And Kramer has uh, sabotaged, uh, uh, you know, sabotaged the bagel shop, you know, in the name of, of Festivus, I guess. Um <laughs> Sure. You know, he, he calls to warn Elaine, but actually what he's done is just, uh, you know, kind of gets broken a valve on a steam pipe. So steam is coming out. But, um, you know, they can they can still make bagels. It's just a little steamy. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you like uh, your bagels no, now? <laughs> how do you like your bagels? <laughs> yeah. And they just, you know, shrug. continue to <laughs> shrug. Yeah. Continue to make bagels. Um so now, uh, heading back to uh, to George's office, uh, George is uh, approached by Kruger, who apparently has uh, decided. Well, he you know he needs to, to to make a donation with some of the company's money, and they have decided. Uh, you know, this human fund thing sounds good, and hands George a check for twenty thousand dollars, which is uh, yeah, <laughs> that's you know that's a nice hunk of change. Um, yeah, and then. Uh, Kruger has locked himself out of his office again. So he's going home. <laughs> he's going home. <laughs> well, I guess it's good to be the boss. Yeah. And so then we, that's a, that's a real quick scene. So then we jump back yep. once again to Monk's, uh, the Monk's coffee shop, uh, where Jerry has Gwen in, you know, in their particular booth where, where she would look good. Um, and Gwen is, is not impressed with this particular uh, establishment. She's wondering why, uh, why they always come here. Um, and she's not happy about the rubber band in her soup, <laughs> which, uh, which I can kind of understand, but you know, yeah, it's a little picky. Jerry is amused. He says, Oh, I know who's cooking today. Apparently rubber bands are a common thing uh, <laughs> at this place. 
Uh, well, I guess I was going to say, like, uh, we wouldn't know because they don't often get soup. But, uh, you know, maybe that's why we don't usually see them ordering soup at the diner uh, because of the rubber bands. Well, they don't seem to care because after Gwen bails and George comes to eat the soup, he, he sees the rubber band and he's like, oh, Paco. And then he doesn't seem to care. <laughs> <laughs> no, and he, he gives the rubber band a little flick and then. Yeah, sends it back to Paco. <laughs> yeah, sends it right back. Oh, you know, you know, Paco. Um <laughs> Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And uh, George has to kind of reveal that he's got this check for $20,000 and uh, isn't quite sure what he's going to do with it. He's uh, he's thinking about, you know, maybe keeping it and uh, maybe making the human fund a real thing, you know, start his own uh, philanthropic philanthropic uh, endeavor. <laughs> and I like this, the, the back and forth. George says, you know, this this might be my chance to start giving something back. And Jerry says, you want to give something back? Start with the $20,000. <laughs> and then so, well, you know, keep this train moving. We head on over to uh, back to H&H where uh, Kramer is out. He's out in the cold. He's got his picket sign. Festivus, yes. Bagels, no. And um, uh, Elaine finally gets the call. She gets the call from uh, from Denim Vest and, uh, you know, arranges to, to meet him to uh, make the exchange only now from sitting in the steam of the bagel shop. Now Elaine is the two face who uh, doesn't look as good as she did at the party. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and now it's dead. You know, the, the, um, I guess the, the snap vest is on the other chest or something. Or, not sure. Uh, yeah. That, how that saying that goes, but uh, yeah, the, the vest is on the other chest as now it's, um, uh, you know, Kevin McDonald's turn to give Elaine, uh, a fake number. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says, uh, Yamaha, it's Fright Night. And I just want to put a shout out to uh, Fright Night Minute. Uh, <laughs> great podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, well, like in, this... in, an, in an episode of um, various uh, interesting pickup lines or attempts at men to get women, he his plan was that he was going to meet her, but he conveniently left the card back in his apartment in a very... Uh, overt attempt to get her to go back to his apartment just to get the card. Uh, I guess thinking once he has her there, he could really turn on the charm and uh, hope to bring things to the next level. I can't go there. I can't right. go there now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, back at my place, but but I can't go there now. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, had a ruse going on that has uh, seemingly backfired because he does not want to take the. Um, the Schwitz lane um, right. back with him. Oh, and then also, this is also the scene where Kramer runs into Gwen, but she is in the good lighting. So he does not recognize her says, Oh no, you know, you're um, <laughs> yeah. What's What's he say? Oh yeah. You're, you're much better looking and like a foot taller. <laughs> so I don't know what he, what he thought he saw at the, uh, at monks, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't recognize Gwen. And, and so now, uh, now she thinks he's got another less attractive, much shorter girlfriend that he's seeing on the side. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, and then we close out uh, this second act. We're back, uh, you know, back at the clamp center where uh, uh, Kruger calls George into his office to let him know that, uh, Turns out there's no such thing as the human, uh, the human fund that, uh, you know, it's a complete fake. And George being um, being unusually quick on his feet comes uh, mm. quick on his feet, comes out with which I guess is not an entirely a lie. 
in that, um, you know, he doesn't really celebrate Christmas, but he was, um, you know, he was sort of embarrassed to discuss Festivus, which we know is true. He is really embarrassed to uh, discuss Festivus, but he thought he um, he thought he might be persecuted for his beliefs. You know, he says, well, you know, I could, I could, you know, Festivus is real. I could prove it if I had to. And Kruger says, yeah, you probably should, um, which is kind of setting up uh, a following scene. But so that uh, that closes us out for uh, our second act of the program. And so it brings us to uh, my next question for my guests. And that is, um, do you feel that this episode captures the spirit of Hanukkah? And that is whatever, you know, whatever that means to you when you think of the spirit of Hanukkah, um, you know, is that is that captured by, uh, you know, this episode of Seinfeld? Uh, I would say I, yes. I, <laughs> uh, right. yeah, take that as a yes. Yeah. My 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 family, my family's holiday uh, uh, celebrations really weren't traditional at all. I've long since given up on religion, but we did celebrate Hanukkah as a kid. Mm hmm kind of stopped doing it for a while as a family then uh once i got married and my wife was catholic well, well is catholic <laughs> not was catholic is catholic <laughs> and so our kids are um are now celebrating christmas because my wife is catholic suddenly my parents brought hanukkah back <laughs> so uh -huh. that my kids would also celebrate hanukkah as well all of a sudden after 20 years of not doing it so just the sort of the haphazard non-traditional nature of how my family has done Hanukkah. So it, it fits right in uh, as far as I'm concerned is the spirit of Hanukkah. Absolutely. There you go. And, and Robin. Yeah. I, 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 I was uh, raised uh, with Christmas, but it was all like my, my parents never went to church or it was all like very non-denominational. Like it's just mm -hmm. Santa Claus and commercialism <laughs> basically. Uh, so I really didn't grow up with much knowledge of Hanukkah and I'm always happy to learn more. But uh, the most I know about it, unfortunately, sadly, is through Adam Sandler. So uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I will just shut up at this point. OK, that's that's fine. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I grew up in a, uh, a nominally Jewish household, but we were more, um, I guess, culturally Jewish than religiously Jewish. And um, yeah, I mean, at one point we even had we even did like the Hanukkah bush thing where we had like a little you know, a little tree that we would decorate for Hanukkah, um, kind of following into the you know, tr Christmas tradition that is so overwhelming in, in Western, Western culture. But I would say, yeah, so it does, this does capture certainly the embarrassment of, of parents. That is uh, a, a tradition, um, you know, captures that. And certainly, yeah, a lot of the, 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 the secular or more cultural aspects of, uh, yeah, of sort of the holiday season. Um, so kind of, yeah, I think, uh, you know, without, um, you know, without more Hanukkah, uh, you know, overt Hanukkah references, this kind of embodies as much the spirit of Hanukkah as it, as it can. Um, so yeah, I will, I will give it high marks on that account as well. So getting into our, our act three to wrap it up. So we are at the Costanza residence in Queens. Mm -hmm. um, we've got, uh, you know, George and, and, and Frank and Estelle and, and Kruger is there. You know, George has brought his boss to just, uh, you know, show him how real this uh, this Festivus thing is. And, you know, I'm not sure why Elaine is there, but maybe, you know, maybe she's just like, this is so crazy. I have to see it for myself. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they're, they're surprised to see George, who says he is... Um, He's embracing his roots. Um, 
And, and Jerry rightly knows that, uh, well, th they nailed you on the 20 Gs. <laughs> Jerry <laughs> makes that connection pretty quickly um, because, of course, why else would he be bringing his boss to, uh, yeah. to, to Festivus dinner? And then Kramer shows up and he just happens to have, um, you know, the, the bookie and, and Charlie in, in tow. <laughs> Yeah, and it was you know, and, and the the guy says, um, the the bookie played by Tracy Letts says, uh, you know, damnedest thing. Me and Charlie were calling to ask you out, and we got this bagel place. And Kramer jumps in, at, you know, I told him I was just about to see you. It's a festivist miracle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, thanks, Kramer. Uh, <laughs> I love the uh, uh, the blocking here though, where. Uh, you know, in the in the first off track betting scene, like Charlie is just sitting behind uh, Tracy Letts, like over his shoulder, like hovering. Mm -hmm. And of course, when they all sit down for dinner, Charlie doesn't sit the, at the table. He sits yeah. right over the shoulder of Tracy yeah. Letts. <laughs> He's right just over his shoulder, just kind of hanging there. Yeah. Yeah. And let me just uh, state for the record, although this has nothing to do with Seinfeld or this episode, but I simply have to say that, that Tracy Letts' wife in real life is one of my major celebrity crushes uh mm. carrie coon and so i just had yes. to make that statement oh it was needed to I be said Absolutely. yes it needed to be said <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and this whole time like uh this particular scene charlie doesn't say anything but he's giving elaine like looks <laughs> just like the smile that you know he's like raising his eyebrows he's yeah <laughs> i'm a man i'm a man <laughs> yeah you know it, it's it's a real lesson in terms of kind of just you know doing without doing anything you know he isn't really doing anything other than walking in and then sitting down but uh but it's the way he doesn't do it that's um that's so good and there are um probably on youtube there are outtakes of in this scene when elaine asked what happened to my horse and he said they had to shoot it <laughs> there are outtakes of that uh julia louis Dreyfus cannot get through that one shot without cracking up like just over <laughs> and over and over again <laughs> Yeah, okay, she is um, famous slash infamous for that. Uh, uh, yeah, apparently Michael Richards would get very annoyed at uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and her inability to get through some of these scenes. But I, I must say, like, I, I can't really blame her. I can't get through watching them <laughs> without laughing. But um, but it's also not my job. So that's OK. So, you know, Frank gets up. He, you know, to kind of kicks things off. He welcomes the newcomers. And as as uh, you know, as is tradition, Festivus begins with the airing of the grievances. Um, I got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear it. Uh, that's you know, that's that's the spirit of Hanukkah right there. I mean, if that isn't, I don't know what it is. You know. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, I like this. And then uh, uh, you know, <laughs> Gwen pops in, and you know, of course, you know, how, well, how does she know? That Jerry would be here, and it's uh, well, Kramer told her <laughs> another Festivus miracle, <laughs> um, and then she accuses Elaine of being the uh, you know the other less attractive girlfriend that Jerry has, and that's where she talks about well, you know, um, you know, I, I've been in that schwitz for six hours. <laughs> yep. Yeah. This is uh, this is where this is where Frank uh, airs his grievance with uh, Kruger. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't yeah. smear the sheet if you had a hot babe. The I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My it's son like, tells one, me you're... This is one of the main uh, uh, aspects of his holiday, the airing of the grievances. It's the kickoff of the holiday. And and 
he completely blows it and then just blows it off. <laughs> he's not committed <laughs> at all. Yeah. I think he's too excited to, he, he knows he's going to wrestle his son. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't wait. Yeah. Well, I wonder how much of that is, you know, efficiency for the sake of television, just, you know, kind of the way Denim Fast goes right to asking, <laughs> you know, a laid out for a date at that part. It's like, well, we, we really don't need, you know, the, the 20 minutes or 15 minutes of uh, of chit chat and, and party talk yeah. before they get to, uh, you know, the point of of the asking out kind of thing. Uh, I read it might be an in joke. I read that it might be an end joke because apparently Jerry Stiller had a hard time remembering his lines during <laughs> Seinfeld. So it might be a joke on his, uh, you know, at his uh, behalf, but yeah, I don't know. And, and it, and it's, it's kind of funny because it's kind of, I think consistent with the character of Frank, that, that he would jump around, uh, you know, from the thing to thing, you just kind of, you know, yeah. Which was, and that's kind of an odd line. I'm not familiar with that saying. Smooth a silk sheet if you had a hot date with a babe. Uh, well, but then he just goes, "I lost my train of thought." I I wasn't sure either. And then I looked up Kruger's business, and it's Kruger Industrial Smoothing. So apparently, the business oh. is just a smooth sheet, uh, <laughs> which sounds so boring. That's. I didn't know you could make a business out of that, but there you go. I guess. <laughs> um so yeah so we really don't get a, a lot you know we kind of jump from the airing of the grievances and go almost directly to the feats of strength you know as festivus mm -hmm. rolls on where originally frank um you know frank announces the honor uh, for this year goes to mr kramer oh yeah that's right um, who uh who conveniently excuses himself <laughs> because he has to go work a double at h and h <laughs> um you know he caved on the strike he says, I really had to use their bathroom, <laughs> which is a callback to, to the first scene, which is, uh, I think, when he gives us the excuse why they're, you know, why they're not actively picketing in front of the store anymore is because they, they wouldn't let him use the bathroom. Right. Um, so in his picketing, he really had to use the bathroom and so uh, agreed to go back to work. Um, and so the responsibility for the feats of strength will um, will fall on George. Well, as as uh, Kruger suggests. How about right. George? Yeah. <laughs> Although Kruger um, did tell uh, Frank, I find your belief system fascinating, though. So, I mean, he, yeah. he seemed to be somewhat into it. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's, he's buying whole hog. Although he doesn't, he doesn't, uh, I mean, if he was really going to be uh, an adherent to uh, Festivus, you know, Festivus, he would sacrifice himself. I mean, uh, volunteer himself uh, for the feats of strength. But uh, no, instead he volunteers yeah, volunteers, George. And this is so uh, a part of the Festivus tradition is, um, yeah, so someone from the attendees is picked to pin the host of the evening, in this case, Frank. And so until, um, you know, until George can pin Frank, Festivus is not over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is just so all. So and good. it's crazy when they and, finally we finally get to Festivus. It is like there's like three minutes left in the episode. So, yeah, yeah. they just have to go <laughs> bing, 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 bing through all the things. Um, bing, bing, boom. And yeah. Uh, yeah, Frank says, stop crying and fight your father. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the first time he said that. Yeah, this is the best Festivus ever. <laughs> yeah. 
And we, we, we cut to uh, a scene kind of pulling back on the exterior of the Costanza household where uh, where snow is falling. It's going to be a white Festivus this year, <laughs> which is always nice. Well, and it's uh, funny that they did. They went with a cliche shot. I mean, how many TV episodes or movies about Christmas end with the final shot of the movie or show being a zoom out of the home with snow falling? Yeah, I mean this this could be right out of Home Alone. I mean this yeah, is yeah, very yeah. very yeah. traditional holiday episode uh, or movie uh, thing. Yeah, really puts it in in the uh the spirit of the season. And then uh our last uh, like last roughly 45 seconds of the episode is back at H&H where Kramer is is, is working the dough he's kneading. He's making, you know, making the dough for the bagels and the chewing gum falls out of his mouth. <laughs> into the dough and uh, it gets mixed in. He's trying to pull it out when the manager walks in and fires him. And then Kramer just says, thank you. Gets <laughs> yep. his coat and leaves. And and that's the end of it. And so that is, uh, yeah, that's the strike from season nine of Seinfeld. Um, so my next question for, uh, for you, our, our guess is, so as, as a holiday episode is, is this suitable? Um, or, you know, or maybe this is, is this part of your yearly tradition? Is this something you're going to watch, you know, an episode you could watch on Festivus every year? Yeah, I, I definitely, I'm certain I watch, I mean, it's so like quick, so I can't remember if I watch it every year and I'm not sure if I ever like maybe once or twice have watched it on Festivus, but it, it is one of the holiday rotation. And like I said, I kind of gravitate towards those alternative holiday uh, entertainment. So, uh, as I put my hipster glasses on like a weirdo, uh, but, uh, so, so it's just one of those things. It's, <laughs> it's not like cheesy and heartwarming. It's hilarious. So of course. Yeah. It's, it's not part of mine, uh, but personal opinion aside, I mean, it's, it's one of the more frequently referenced Seinfeld episodes. So I'm sure that it's, I'm sure it's very common among, uh, Seinfeld fans to watch this on December 23rd or 24th, 25th, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, for the really the whole Festivus season. Yeah, um, yeah likewise, I, I don't know if I, well, I know, I, I don't watch this every year, but this is, I mean, the rewatchability of this is very high. Um, it does have a lot of holiday spirit in it. So uh, certainly, tr- you know, appropriate to rewatch ar- around this time of year. And I mean, Festivus is is a yearly tradition in, in my household, be, you know, directly, be, solely because of, of this episode. I mean, we talk about, Particularly the airing of the grievances is uh, <laughs> is one of our favorite of of the festivist traditions. But yeah, so I I, I do think this this qualifies as something um, for rewatchability. And uh, I'm going to introduce something new because um, it it just occurred to me <laughs> in the shower. It was one of those moments where like um, you know where was this idea uh, you know a month ago before I started before I started recording these episodes. Um, um, and what that is, so this new segment is, um, I'm going to be rating the episode on a scale of eight candles, eight Hanukkah candles. How high does this score? And I'm going to I'm gonna take off, well, one, I'll take off one candle because we do not get a retelling of the Hanukkah story. We don't get the story of, of the Maccabees and, uh, you know, the, the oil and the temple and burning for eight nights or any of that. So... Um, you know, we don't have the, the religious Hanukkah context. So I'll take one candle off from that and I'll take another one off because we don't get a lot of references to Hanukkah at all. 
um, even in you know the the modern celebration of it, um, we just kind of get um, we get the one happy Hanukkah from Watley, and as we've said, um, he only converted for the jokes. So um, I don't even know if we really consider him a a, a full Jewish person. So uh, <laughs> so I'm going to take off two candles. So I'm going to rate this uh, six out of eight candles in terms of uh, as a Hanukkah episode. So yeah, it does get it does get points for holiday spirit. It gets points for um, for rewatchability, it'll get points because it's not, it doesn't favor Christmas over Hanukkah. It kind of really neglects both the holidays, um, you know, both those major holidays in that respect. So, uh, yeah, again, uh, so, uh, six, uh, yeah, so six out of, out of eight candles for me and, uh, yeah, very much high on the rewatchability and suitability as a yearly holiday tradition. And so that brings us to the, the end of, uh, of the Seinfeld episode, do you have? I guess um, I'll ask my guests anything. Uh, anything to add on uh, on the episode? And also, do you have uh, any Hanukkah stories? Any Hanukkah memories you wish to uh, to share with our listeners? And I'll start with you, Eric. Any closing uh, thoughts? Yeah, um, I did want to. And... Yeah, sure. Yes. Uh, closing thoughts on the episode first. Uh, I did want to point out that there was. Um, Jerry, when talking about Gwen, refers to her as a 3D baseball card. And I just wanted to do a shout out to Sport Flicks, uh, which in the 1980s was for you youngins that don't know, were these really cool baseball cards that came out that only lasted a few years where if you turned it to the left, you'd see one picture of the player. You turn it to the right, a second picture. And sometimes there was even a third picture. And they were so cool, but they also were much more expensive to buy than regular cards. So they didn't really last that long. So wanted to shout out Sport Flicks. Um... My Hanukkah memories, so there are two things that I wanted to point out. One is just simply the best gift that I've ever gotten in my entire life was a Hanukkah gift. It was when I was probably six or seven years old, and I got the Millennium Falcon one year for Hanukkah. And so you just you can't top that. Old classic Kenner Millennium Falcon in the early 80s uh, will always go down as the best gift I ever received. But because you also uh, asked us if there's a bonus if any of the memories involve lights or candles, this oh, yeah, doesn't... Sure. So, we got married on a Friday, my wife and I, and my mother has a friend who is uh, Orthodox Jewish, so she could not attend the wedding because it was on a Friday. And so she did send us a gift, however. And uh, again, as mentioned earlier, uh, my wife is Catholic, so it was a mixed marriage. And she sent us a very elaborate ceramic menorah. And I found that very humorous that I was marrying a non-Jewish person on a Friday night, so she couldn't attend, but she made sure to... (laughs) Have that be our wedding gift. <laughs> I, I swear, the more I hear about this and the the fact that Hanukkah got uh, brought back up after twenty years really makes me wonder if you are indeed a Costanza. <laughs> uh, that's those are yeah. some great great memories, great stories. Um, so, Robin, what are you? Do you have uh, any Hanukkah tales you wish to share? Oh, I wish I did. I will say I've been asked if I'm Jewish more than a few times. I And I'm just like, what makes you think that? And I really don't ever get a clear answer. So I don't know. Uh, but um, you're just so good looking. That, uh, apparently, that, yeah, that's what it is. That's what that must, that's, can be no other explanation, I'm sure. Oh, um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, uh, love this episode. I will say one of my uh, w- one great moment we kind of passed over was the whole 
bit where uh, Kramer was bringing the day old bagels to Jerry and George. And we find out <laughs> that H and H has a custom of trying to fool the homeless into eating their stale bagels by sprinkling some fresh ones on top. Uh, like, is it that important to them for the homeless to eat the stale bagels? Yeah. yeah. And then they just the homeless know, they, they dig in, you know, to, to <laughs> get past the fresh ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, and it's um it is important you really to 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 seal up bagels and and actually freeze them if you're going to be, you know, if you have more bagels than you think you're going to eat, uh, you know, in one sitting and you're going to freeze them, you're best off freezing them right away. You want to freeze a fresh bagel and then you can pop it in the toaster and it, it toasts right up and it's, you know, it, it defrosts and toasts just fine and then you get a mm. toasted fresh bagel whereas if you leave it out for a day or two and then freeze it you've now got a frozen stale bagel um so i'm kind of i'm siding with the homeless people on this one um yeah, <laughs> yeah. well i'm going i'm going to be firmly against the homeless put me down for that no i'm just kidding um, i will say i'm going to have a bagel after this just so yeah. you know I, it's, yeah. it's it's in the cards tonight all right, so we'll wrap it up. We'll we'll, we'll kind of close it off there. And uh, oh, well, I I, I will say um, a little uh, Hanukkah memory of my own. Yeah. You kind of you reminded me, Eric. One of one of my best Hanukkahs as a child was getting the at at uh, ah. from Star Wars. That was uh, that was quite a toy. Uh, you know the the at at from uh, the original from from Empire. That thing that you could pose it. The legs you could move it but it would hold the position once you put it in you could kind of walk the thing it had a, a compartment where you could put um, you know kind of put your snow troopers inside yeah that was certainly one one of one of many but uh, one of the highlights of, of my childhood yeah so i remember there was a stretch there i was kind of right at that right at that sweet spot i was six or seven when star wars first came out and uh, that was probably a, a, it made it easy on my parents. So there were a few years there where like birthday, Hanukkah, any gift giving opportunity, it was just, all right, what's the latest, you know, cash grab from from Lucasfilm and Star Wars, <laughs> um, you know, the, the latest Star Wars merchandise. And that was always what was waiting under, um, you know, waiting under my Hanukkah bush. So, uh, yeah, but I particularly remember getting that at at as a, as a uh, you know, a formative moment in my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so so wrapping up, let's. Uh, why don't you let our listeners know where they can hear uh, more from you? As I'm sure they, I know they they will want to do. Um, we'll start with so so Robin. What do you got? You know, what do you got going on? Where can can folks hear your work? Uh, my latest podcast has been uh, Karate Kid Minute, uh, where I've broken down minutes of the Karate Kid franchise, and as well as uh, talk through the entire Cobra Kai series. I've got a couple of. Uh, bonus episodes that are coming up uh, this month uh, that I'm looking forward to releasing. And uh, I also uh, do a podcast about the TV show uh, Superman and Lois. Uh, so with my buddies, uh, Derek and Frank, and uh, that's at uh, Superman and Lois TV talk. So Karate Kid Minute and Superman and Lois TV talk. Yeah, those are those are all great. So I encourage folks to check those out. And then uh, Eric, I know you've got some some podcasting experience yourself. So uh, you know where where can folks find more of you? Yes, I've uh, completed two movies by minute podcasts, both of which, by the way, Sean was a guest on uh, Flash Gordon Minute and Escape from New York Minute. Uh, they're on all the podcatchers out there, uh, easily bingeable since they're both completed. 
And uh, I even occasionally still post in both groups' uh, Facebook fan pages, even though the shows have ended. Uh, every once in a while, something pops up that I like to stick out there. And let me just state for the fe- for the record, Sean invariably is always the first person to like every post in those groups. Because <laughs> I spend way too much time on Facebook. So, uh, I, I, I apologize. You love supporting that. your friends. <laughs> yes, and I, I love you. supporting my, my friends and their podcasts. So, of course, yeah. So, I yeah, I, I got a, a couple good guest spots. Eric was was gracious enough, uh, and his co-hosts were, were gracious enough to to invite me on. Um, I particularly enjoyed my my minutes with uh, Flash Gordon, where I got to work, uh, got to well, not work with, but uh, to, to discuss the work of the wonderful William Hootkins, um, who <laughs> appeared in that that fine fic. Um, also, a, a guest on uh, Karate Kid Minute. I was uh, gracious or, or lucky enough, fortunate enough. Uh, to, to be a guest there, and uh, so folks, uh, if you want to, you know, see more of, of my guest appearances on other podcasts, I list I list those at catandshawn.org. It's cat c a t and sean s e a n dot org, where I got all my podcast stuff, including my my guest appearances. Um, our main site for Nexine Podcast is nexinepod.com. We are at nexinepod on the social media, and so wrapping up. Well, until you pen me, this episode is not over. Let's rumble. (laughs) (laughs) No! (laughs) Adam Georgie! (laughs) Happy Festivus, everyone. Happy Festivus, everyone. Happy Festivus. We'll sit round the polar and grievances. I'll tell you what's wrong with you. There's no need to bicker or argue at length. You'll get your chance in the feats of strength. So this Festivus, self-reflect with us. Join the rest of us on Festivus this year. There's so much restlessness with our precedents, so let's put emphasis on this genesis. They call us treacherous, so doubt our relevance. Try to discredit us or even threaten us, so don't you pester us with your pestilence. Be adventurous, join the exodus with the rest of us on Festivus this year. Join the rest of us on Festivus this year.